You're listening to episode 15, The Perfect Garden. Actually, this is a myth. In fact, this whole season is a myth on social media (laughs) because now you will start to see people's curated perfect photos of their lovely table settings and their perfect families and their ever so happy congenial lives. And those photos are myth. We all know that, but still we scroll through them and some of us get depressed And also, this is the time of year where people start planning their gardens because all the gardening catalogs start arriving in the mail and you can plan your garden, whether it's sort of a pink and pastel, purpley, bountiful English garden or it's a stark, modern, sort of aesthetic garden. But this is the time of year where we think, this year, it's all going to be perfect. But spoiler alert, It's not. And how do I know? Because I used to work in advertising. So even those lovely photographs you see in magazines and catalogs, those things have been orchestrated. (laughs) And I want to talk about perfection in the garden and in our lives and how not to be disappointed or discouraged. Also, this will be my Probably. Uh, My last podcast of 2019, I'm taking a break for the month of December because, as we all know, December is crazy time and I just don't need to be fussing about a podcast. But I will see you again in January. Another reason is I have this other podcast. It's called This Outside Life and it's about an hour long and I've got these great interviews and I've just let it languish. I have so many cool interviews to post. I interviewed this guy in Scotland who does, um, he calls it Hills and Stills. So he takes you to the distilleries in the hills, and I interviewed this woman in Dublin who does these outdoor tours, and I've got a really great interview with this falconer up in the Napa and Sonoma Valley, and I've, I've got to attend to those and take the time and edit them and put them up, and so I'm going to work on those this December. So if you want to see any of them, like I've interviewed Scott Cook, the CEO of QuickBooks uh, Intuit, and I've done um, people who grow lavender for a living. So if you want to go hear that one during December, you're welcome to. It's thisoutsidelife.com, and you can click on the podcast page and read or listen to them. Also, I'm going to be focusing on a new project. I'm actually doing a lot of watercolors, and you can follow me on Instagram and see my paintings a day. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Lori Kaler, L-A-U-R-I-E, K-E-H-L-E-R. So you can follow me on Instagram and see my artwork. It's not great, but I'm working on it. (laughs) But I am completely obsessed and having a ton of fun. So join me there and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Nature of Hope podcast. I'm your host, Lori Kaler. Here we will take 15 minutes to step back, delight in nature, and discover God. My goal is to give you hope in your daily walk and increase your awareness and enchantment in the beautiful world God created for us to take part in. If you sometimes feel disenchanted with life or disconnected from God, this is the place for you. If you pull over for sunsets and sometimes you feel like your church is outside, this is for you. Come with me and let's explore the animals, the quiet forests, deep under the seas, and high on the mountaintops, all that God has made for us to delight in. It's time to de-stress and refresh in the nature of hope.
This is one of my favorite times of year, not because it's before the holidays, but because it's the time when all the gardening magazines and catalogs start coming in the mail, and we can plan our perfect gardens for the next year. It's like entering another world when you turn those pages. Like here's a woman who lives in the South. She has a charming white picket fence that is covered in old-fashioned romantic roses. I'm thinking they're probably David Austin's. They're some of my favorites. Their pale pink peony-sized blossoms in thick clusters climb up trellises and down to the street. Inside the fence, it looks like in the movie The Secret Garden. Roses billow and spill out into the garden paths dotted with fragrant lavender. Another article shows me a woman who lives in the country. Her garden is bursting with a riot of old-fashioned flowers. Hollyhocks, black-eyed Susans, and rainbow-colored zinnias line her fieldstone walkways next to her barn. Nearby, in a field of poppies, her granddaughters are wearing straw hats and having a tea party under a cornflower blue sky. Whenever I see these picture-perfect gardens, I want to walk right into the pages and live there. Sometimes I'm even jealous. I wonder, how did she get her plants to look so perfect? It doesn't seem fair. I'm sure I work just as hard, and yet my garden is never that orderly. But you know what? I know things aren't always as they seem. No matter how perfect and orderly those gardens are we see, I'll let you in on a secret. They are faking it. And I know this because I used to work in advertising. Whenever our agency oversaw a photo shoot for a product, we would make sure everything looked perfect. If a glass of milk needed to look frosty and inviting, we would put this gel-like substance similar to like a rubbery glue on the outside of a glass. That gave it an ice-cold, frosty look. The minute a piece of lettuce wilted under the hot lights, we would replace it with another over and over and over again. Produce was misted with a product that beat it up to look like just washed and fresh. Lingerie models had their thighs, moles, and other imperfections caught on camera. Those were altered on the computer to make themselves and their lingerie look better. In fact, I got into an argument once with a guy who wanted to make a model's thighs thinner. And I was like, she looks perfect the way she is. She's normal. She's fine. And he's like, no, we need to make her thinner. Just so you know, those models don't really look like that in real life. All this image management for perfection happens in garden photo shoots as well. Every dead flower head is removed so the whole plant looks as if it burst into bloom all at once. In your garden and mine, flowers come and go intermittently over several weeks. In the photograph garden, every open space in the flower borders is filled with a potted plant. You can't see it because they either bury the pot or take it out and plant it, but just the same, they're faking it. Everything is trimmed and neatened like your garden would be too if you had a staff to help you. In real gardens, yours and mine, weeds exist. Real gardens have plants die for no apparent reason. Real gardens don't grow all tidy and perfect. Sometimes half the plant is in bloom and the other half looking bedraggled. Real gardens have plants that need to be staked for support, like gladiolas or delphiniums. Plants that have to be pruned to make room for others, and some plants that have to be ripped out and moved to another location. Real gardens are not picture perfect. That is a contrived artificial look reserved for photo shoots and professional staffers who specialize in making everything look picture perfect. We should remember this when we look at other people's 
so-called perfect lives, that just isn't reality concerning the human condition. Nothing and nobody, except for God, is perfect. It's good for us to remember when we see someone's life that looks perfect to us, things aren't always as they seem. I remember a Bible study I attended when I was a new Christian. In walked this beautiful woman. She had naturally white blonde curly hair. It feathered softly around her exquisite porcelain face. Her figure was elegant. She wasn't stick thin, and but she didn't have any fat. She wore a soft blue cashmere outfit that perfectly complemented her delicate and stunning beauty and her eyes, her blue eyes. She was soft-spoken and nice. She was dating the handsomest guy in our group. I felt uncomfortable and completely unattractive in comparison. Everything about her is perfect, I said to myself, trying not to stare or be overcome by jealousy. Then, during the prayer time, she asked for prayer for her brother and herself. She began to talk about her brother being in jail and earlier years of incest between them. My jaw sagged open. Suddenly, I wouldn't trade places with her for anything in the world. I think about that day whenever I see someone's life that on the outside looks perfect. They seem to have the perfect marriage, the perfect home, the perfect children. They never struggle with their weight. But I know things aren't always as they seem. I know I'm not seeing the full story. And furthermore, I know better than to play the comparison game. My late pastor, Walt Gerber, used to say something, and I wrote it in the back of my Bible to memorize. The recipe for misery is comparison. Comparison will make you feel miserable, and so will the pursuit of the appearance of perfection. I've spent many days doing this, and it's so funny. My family agrees that when I'm just doing art or doing creative endeavors around the home, I'm so much happier than when I'm trying to be perfect and, you know, post the most amazing images and, you know, build the platform. I'm, I'm horrible to be around. <laughs> this pursuit of perfection is not fun for the person doing it or those around them. It makes me wonder all of this. Why are we, especially Christians, so tempted to play the game of image management, of making it appear as though everything is perfect? Why are we so afraid to be real? One reason is fear of judgment. We know the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. We know that although she had been living with several men, he did not condemn her. And we know that when another so-called sinful woman anointed him with tears and expensive oil, he was not offended by her presence. But we also know that if the town prostitute, wife-beater, alcoholic, drug dealer came to our church service, he or she wouldn't be treated the same way Jesus treated those people. We would be repelled, or at least keep our distance. This lack of grace is what keeps our masks on and the secular world out of the church. In Philip Yancey's brilliant book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he writes about this tendency of ours to put on a false religious front. In discussing the scene in John 8 in which the woman was caught in adultery, Yancey points out that our distorted view of right and wrong versus what Jesus viewed as right and wrong. So I'll read here from the, the scripture in John 8. Jesus grants absolution. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Yancey writes, Thus, in a brilliant stroke, Jesus replaces the two assumed categories, righteous and guilty, with two different categories, sinners who admit and sinners who deny. 
the woman caught in adultery helplessly admitted her guilt. Far more problematic were people like the Pharisees who denied or repressed guilt. And don't we see this in the media? You see these guys railing against certain sins from the pulpit, and yet they're then caught in the same sin or even worse. And it's like they're in total denial. We're not fooling anybody. Our human tendency is to appear as something we are not, to engage in image management. Faking it was a constant source of trouble for Jacob. He didn't trust God to come through on his promise that the older will serve the younger, Genesis 25. So he contrived birthrights and blessings in his own way, without relying on God to come through. This Machiavellian attitude and pretense caused him a lifetime of trouble. Faking his own religious power cost Moses the promised land. Read Numbers chapter 20. He was denied after all those years of leading them through the desert and everything because he faked power and took power that was ascribed to God to make it look like he had it. He was denied that last glorious moment of walking into the promised land. God let him see it from a mountaintop, but he's like, yeah, you're not entering. Faking it cost him a great deal. David faked as if he had done nothing wrong with Bathsheba or her husband to Uriah in 2 Samuel. God is never fooled or impressed. Faking it always results in the loss of intimacy and real relationship with others and our God. It's a barrier to closeness and all the good things we desire from relationships. Image management is not pleasing to God. For Ananias and Sapphira, their biggest mistake was the pretense of having given everything away. In Acts chapter 5, it would have been, probably would have been fine if they had said, we sold our land and gave you some of the money. But instead they faked it. They pretended they were more noble and giving than they really were. The popular attitude of fake it till you make it, it didn't make it for them. Jesus had some scathing and vicious words to say about the Pharisees. You could call the Pharisees religious leaders. He doesn't like it when people in authority and religious positions fake it. He called them hypocrites, blind guides, blind fools, whitewashed tombs, and snakes. With everyone else, especially sinners, he was kind and compassionate. Why was he so angry with the Pharisees, the religious leaders? Jesus said, because everything they do is done for men to see. Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. The Pharisees cared more about image management and looking good or holy than being real. True transformational power, the power to touch one another's lives in a meaningful way with compassion, understanding, and authority comes from being real. Have you ever tried to get close to someone who seems to have it all together? These people look and act as if everything in their lives is perfect. They have no problems or struggles. It's a monumental challenge to get close to someone such as this. And worse, it prevents the closeness and fellowship that we're meant to have with one another. I never want to share my thoughts with someone who is taken up with image management. They make me feel inferior and unclean. <laughs> These people can fake it for a while, but they will never experience true intimacy and fellowship with other people or their God until they admit that they are needy too. Jesus didn't fake it. He was angry with the money changers in the temple. He was sorrowful. He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. He was scared and anguished in the Garden of Gethsemane. Although he knew why he was dying on the cross, he wasn't Mr. Stoic. 
He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was his tortured cry. Jesus showed us how to be real in a world full of pretense. There is no such thing as the perfect garden or the perfect person or the perfect Christian. It's all a sham. It's all image management. The best we can hope for is to be real for one another. The next time you see someone who seems to have the perfect life, the more important question is, are they living a life of pretense or are they real? So this holiday season, while you you know, scroll through your feeds on social media, or you go to a holiday gathering at somebody's home that just seems perfect, it's a curated false impression. And you can lead the way by being real, by being warm, by being genuine. And let's stop all this image management because nobody's life is perfect except for Jesus. Have a great holiday season. And let me know what your garden plans are. I love this time of year when all the garden catalogs come out and you can plan the perfect garden or the fun garden, the attractive garden, because it'll never be perfect, but one that's right for you and that you enjoy. So don't forget to check out that list of all the gardening catalogs I love and other people have told me that our professional master gardeners have told me about. Check those out on my website and email me. Let me know what your garden plans are. And let's have a great 2020 in the garden, perfect or not. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about perfect gardens and perfect lives. If you'd like to learn more about what are some good sources of gardening um, materials, like what's the best source for tulip bulbs or what's the best source for um, old-fashioned seeds or what if I want a totally organic heritage garden where I'm growing things that Native Americans grew or or things that are, um, they're not hybrids, they're original antique varieties or roses that are easy to grow. I've got all sorts of resources for this. So go to my website, lauriekaler.com forward slash perfect garden, all one word, perfect garden. And you will see my list on there with all the catalogs that I think are awesome for dreaming and building next year's garden, or maybe just gifts for someone else. So go there and you can get a list of all the great resources for building your perfect garden or perfect for you. That gives you perfect happiness. Also, take a screenshot and forward this to a friend and let them know that there's a podcast about nature and God and they might enjoy it. That's it for this week. I will see you next year in 2020. But don't forget during the holiday season to get outside, get away from the craziness. Listen to the trees, the wind in the trees. Listen to your feet crunching the snow or the leaves. Listen to see if there are any birds still around. And P.S. Don't forget to feed the birds. And just enjoy this outside life. Step outside, de-stress, and refresh in the nature of hope.